What can you do to increase your overall happiness? What biohacks are available to help and which ones are complete bullshit? These are questions that many of us have as we pursue a life of self-improvement. These are questions I have pretty much every day. In this episode, we'll explore those questions and why sometimes the simplest answers make the biggest difference. We'll do that with our guest, Mass Freeze. He's a health and well-being coach and the founder of the Growth Island Podcast. But first... This is The Fit Mess, conversations with world-class experts in the fields of mental, physical, and emotional health. In this episode... I want people to be uplifted and be like, hell yeah, I can take responsibility for my own health or whatever problem I have. Yeah. And fuck all of those challenges. I'm going to overcome them. And now I got empowered. I'm going to try these three things out and they might not work. Then I'm going to try a new thing, but at least I have something concrete to try. Now here are your hosts, Zach and Jeremy. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to the fitness podcast, doing whatever it is you're doing right now. This week, we're going to be talking about self-help. And I wanted to start it off, Jeremy. I remember going to the bookstore when I was a kid and I was all, I was like nine years old, drawn to the self-help section. Mm-hmm. And it was an eight foot section in the bookstore yeah that was it and it was embarrassing to be in front of it you didn't want to be in front of it you didn't want anyone to see you in front of it but when i went to barnes and noble the other day the self-help section is like 10 miles long (laughs) and it's crowded with people all the time so apparently this is kind of a popular thing it is kind of a popular thing, and, and I struggle with it sometimes. Like you said, there's 10 miles worth of books. There's so much information. I actually found myself in a situation last week where sort of a breaking point for me was I was reading some self-help thing, like something you're supposed to do as a dad to show up well and all this stuff. You go one of two ways with these things. It's Usually it's like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to add that to my life, and I'm going to improve it. Or, well, shit, there's one more thing I'm not doing. What I suck. <laughs> what a piece of crap I am. I give up and it, and it just sent me into this spiral. And it wasn't, you know, until like the next day when I, I sort of remembered this quote from one of my favorite writers, Mark Manson, and it's self-help is most useful for people who don't actually need self-help. And his premise is that for people that are generally okay, that just kind of want to do a little better, self-help is great because they're not doing a lot of these things. They're not, they're, they're not needing to meditate. They're not needing to run and journal and all these things. But for hot messes like me where I'm I'm desperate to figure out what's so broken in me, what went wrong, what childhood tragedy destroyed me as a human being. I eat this shit up. And one of the struggles with it is that some of it, nothing we talk about, of course, but some of it is bullshit. Sometimes it has a placebo effect and it works and that's great. More power to you. If there's something that works for you that doesn't work for me, Keep doing it. That's awesome. But sometimes there's no science to back up the things that are being sold in the 40,000 books on the third floor of Barnes & Noble. Right. And if you read through those books, and unfortunately, I've read all of them. (laughs) Not all of them, but like I walk through that aisle and I'm like, read that one, read that one, read that one, read that one. Most of them say the same thing. And there's definitely two or three nuggets that I take out of every book. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this stuff, again, the bullshit depends on who you are. Something that doesn't work for me may work for you and vice versa. So it's bullshit to me, but it's heaven for you. right? Right. But again, bringing it back to these basic things that we need to do before we start jumping into hyperbaric chambers, we need to take a look at our sleep. We need to take a look at our eating. And I try really hard 
to manage my mental and physical health in the same way that I manage my finances. Compound interest, <laughs> right? Really, seriously, it works. Like little incremental changes that are adding up. And then 10 years later, you look back and you're like, holy shit, that is a really healthy human being now. I, I, I can give you one small example from my life last night and today. There was sort of a perfect storm of miscommunication in my family. And ultimately, everyone got their feelings hurt in one way or another. And I sat there stewing about how much of a victim I was in the situation and how nobody cares about me. I'm just this sort of invisible ghost in the corner that nobody cares about. And then I decided, okay, hold on. Is that true? Or is that just the story you're telling yourself right now to, to start a pity party when you're the guest of honor? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I'm getting angry about a story that I'm telling myself that I know is not true. And so I was able to go to my family and, and explain why I was upset. And, and it, was, it was over in a flash. The conflict was resolved. But then I thought about me five, ten years ago and how that would have been days of you're wrong because you always, how come you do this? And it was just this, this sort of proud moment of growth I had where I was just like, because I took my own advice, I walked the walk, mm -hmm. got curious about what I was angry about. I was able to solve something much quicker and in a much healthier way than I would have. And that's because of scientifically tested methods about how to care for yourself and getting curious and, and trying to solve those problems in a healthy way instead of by flinging arrows and, and starting a big fight. Good for you. That's, that's fantastic. That's a big win. So if you, if you aren't proud of yourself for that, you should be. I am. So Jeremy, what is it that you've been doing <laughs> that helped you to realize yeah. that situation? What is it that you do? I would like to say that it's because of the deep meditation that I've been doing the last few days. However, I would be lying because I have not been as good at it this week as I was last week. However, I did a ton of it last week. I meditated pretty much every day, which is a lot for me. And I saw a noticeable difference in my ability to separate from the thoughts. And that's why we started this Facebook group, right? To hold each other accountable. We, we have a new Facebook group. We'd like to have you join it as well. This month, we're really focusing on meditation and trying to offer tips and techniques and strategies to help you incorporate more meditation into your life because it has been such a valuable tool for us. Zach, I mentioned I've been doing pretty well. How have, how have you been holding up? Because I know meditation is, uh, is one of your struggles. I've been doing good, actually. It's been, I think I've gotten at least four days a week the last two weeks. Oh, very um, nice. Just five minutes at a, at a clip. That's about all I can handle right now. But again, as with anything in my life, it's five minutes now. In a month, maybe it's six. Mm -hmm. And then two months will be seven. And before you know it, I will just be like a little Buddha. I've already got the belly. So. <laughs> uh, like I said, this month we're focusing on meditation. And over the next few months, we'll be switching gears and, and starting new challenges, bringing in all kinds of experts to do exclusive Facebook Lives in there on the topics that we're discussing. So please join there. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know you want to be in the group. And we'll look forward to connecting with you there in the Facebook group. But for now, we'd like to introduce our guest this week. His name is Mass Freeze. He's the founder of the Growth Island Podcast. He's a health and wellness coach. And I love this interview because like what we've been talking about, 
he shines a light on some things that he has trouble with in the self-help industry, but really boils it down to, again, the basics, the fundamental things that you should be doing in your life to achieve the happiness and wellness goals that uh, you've likely set out for yourself if you're listening to a show like this one. And like many of our interviews, this one started similarly, where we asked him what he was doing before he founded the Growth Island podcast. So since I was a small kid, I was extremely curious. I drove my parents nuts by asking too many questions, like why is a cow called cow? Why is it called horse? What if I call it horse? To taking electronics apart and then trying to put them together. So I've always had an extreme drive to learn new things and so many things I still don't know. But I started when, uh, when I was like in my teens to be very interested in personal development after seeing some people being really, really sad and being curious about, okay, what makes the difference on someone like, yeah, don't really want to live and someone loving life. And like, we're living better than kings and queens. We have spices, we have possibilities normally to travel, like so many things like that made me very curious to be like, what makes a happy life? So what does make a happy life now, since you brought it up, (laughs) there's happy people and there's not happy people. Why is that? Perspective is, I think, uh, your perspective is everything. Uh, So something that helped me a lot was I was lucky to travel and I saw how other people were living, right? Mm -hmm. So Tony Robbins has a very simple thing. He says, when your blueprint don't match your reality, you're sad. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically like, what is your standard for how life should be? And our standard for how life should be and our blueprint for how we think life should be is very different than it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. That's why despite us living better than kings and queens, objectively, We're not happy because our blueprint tells us that we should be living a different life. We're seeing people on Instagram that are living a life that they're not even living, the people mm-hmm. on Instagram, but that's what they're portraying on Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, so that is a key is really getting your blueprint right. And then it's finding the good things that like find meaning in life. Yeah. Definitely. And if, I, before I go out on a tangent, that's a small one, but then I can go into a lot of different tips of like, what can you actually do to, uh, to ensure that you have a good blueprint? We will get there. I'm, I wanted to hit on another word that you mentioned uh, talking about your in your childhood, the curiosity. That is a word that the more of these interviews we do, more and more people are talking about curiosity really being a powerful tool in finding happiness, finding better health, finding you know, resolution to their anxiety and depression. Talk about the power of curiosity and, and how you use it in your wellness plan. Yeah. So for me, it's the key that that there's kind of a lot of stuff out there but health is extremely complex, or at least it's being, it's being made very complex with a lot of um, contradictory advice. Mm-hmm. Some person's like, oh, you need to put kale. And then I had an interview the other day and someone's like, kill, kill a kill. Yeah, yeah. Kill is uh, killing you. It's like, okay, easy, easy. Yeah. Um, so that curiosity to figure out, okay, what are the fundamentals? And then what are some of those um, small tweaks that makes a difference, right? So like also using the curiosity to be like, okay, what's the 80-20? So even though I want to learn all the details, then I need to focus first on the fundamentals, like the 20% that makes 80% of the difference. Mm -hmm. So I think that curiosity is very important to also continue to try and look for solutions if what you tried isn't working. So continue to be curious to be like, okay, I'm not a victim. There is still a way out if I'm on a health journey, Mm -hmm. but I need to continue to be curious and I need to continue to look for solutions. Yeah. So you have your own show, The Growth Island Podcast. I'm curious what common themes you hear on that show or if there's one or two things that really stood out to you and potentially is curiosity one of them. It is. Uh, so it's funny you're asking. I remember I was, I was almost a bit disappointed 
because I had all of these like big names, smart people and talking about complex stuff. And then when I asked him often at the end of the show, I almost asked all of my guests, what's the one, just three advice about how to live a happy, healthy, meaningful life. And no matter how complex it's often like, be curious, keep asking questions, finding answers, um, be critical. So again, also like health experts being like, Hey, be critical about what I'm saying mm -hmm. uh, and where it's coming from. And then it's very much like, be good to yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. And then many people say, get proper sleep. <laughs> but it's, it's strikingly, I, I, I was hoping that I could get this really insightful, like yeah. big thing, but it comes down to the same fundamentals that, so common sense is not common practice. That's something that's been really curious to me in our process and all the interviews that we do. Same thing where, where a lot of the information from some, I mean, people that have just done years of deep research and so many of the answers are so simple, but it seems like I know I struggle with, and apparently many people in the world struggle with just applying these basic things. So is there value in continuing to just keep sharing that information and keep reminding people, get eight hours of sleep, be kind to yourself, be curious about the, these struggles? Do you think it's helpful to, to just keep putting that out there? I, I know for me, the more reminders I get, the better, because there will be things that I will do, fall off the wagon, and then I'll hear something or I'll read in a book. Oh, yeah, that's, that's something important I should do. I think it's key because... We all know that that other person tells you something you've heard 10 times before, mm -hmm. but then it actually makes a change. Or you weren't ready to hear it at that point, yeah. but now you're at a point in your life where it's like, now you're hearing that advice, now you suddenly understand it, and now you're ready to implement it. So yeah. I think it's, it's super important that we still get the basics out. Like when I do workshops on Nordic biohacking for big corporates, they really want to hear about the cool check, like hyperbaric oxygen chambers or like neurofeedback. And I tried most of them, but... The most important things are still the basics, mm -hmm. which are kind of boring. So I always have to balance my presentations and my talks. <laughs> right. So I give them a little bit of the, the, the salt or like the spices that are more interesting with cool tech, but they're still the main food, right? These are just like the spices that you're putting on top. Right. So unless you have the fundamentals, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. My wife always gives me a hard time because she'll tell me something for years. And then I'll listen to a random podcast and hear the same advice and then come home and be like, you'll never believe what I heard. Like, I've been telling you that for years. You mentioned earlier 80-20, but in doing a little bit of research on you, I saw something else where you've said that people are looking at fixing the problem 80% of the time and only 20% of the time actually looking for the solution. So I was hoping you could elaborate on that and really talk to us a little bit more about, you know, flipping that around. Yeah. So for me, um, what I meant with that was that I often find when I find resources that they spend 80% of the time explaining that there's a problem and explaining how this problem is so bad. And then 20% of the solutions. So whether it's climate change, 80% on how bad it is and 20% mm -hmm. of the solutions. Mm -hmm. So health problems, 80% about how bad Hansimoto is or something else. And then 20% solutions. And I really want to flip that around because I think most people that are, are listening to this kind of stuff have already bought into like, okay, there's a problem. I want yeah. solutions. Yeah. So let's instead just like 20%, okay, that we understand the problem, what it is, because it is important to understand the problem. And it's important to understand the balance or like the system that it's part of. Mm -hmm. But then the majority of the time should be on concrete advice instead of just like you listen to a podcast and you're like, oh yeah, okay you feel even more down because like, this is a really big problem, right? Mm -hmm. like, I want people to be uplifted and be like, 
hell yeah, I can take responsibility for my own health or whatever problem I have. Yeah. And fuck all of those challenges. I'm going to overcome them. And now I got empowered. I'm going to try these three things out and they might not work. Then I'm going to try a new thing, but at least I have something concrete to try. So that's the thing that's one of my um, important uh, things when I go about learning new things and spreading information. I, I could be way off here. Maybe I'm projecting here, but you seem like the kind of guy who has always been driven and really just inspired to do more, learn more, be better, do better. I've only been trying to become that guy for the last 10 years or so. And it's very much against who I was for the first three quarters of my life so far. So how do you convince someone like me 10 years ago to get on a path to become more like you? Not that we need to be like you or compare ourselves, but it takes a tremendous amount of work and commitment and effort to take care of yourself just because of the way that life is built around us. So yeah. how does someone flip that switch and, and get off the couch and start doing something more to take care of themselves? We talk so much about what you put into your mouth and what you eat. Mm-hmm but we should talk more about what is it you feed your mind with. Mm-hmm. So the first step is really feeding your mind with the right stuff. Are you listening to podcasts that are giving an empowering message that are slowly building up that muscle? I used to wake up and as corny as it sounds, like I love motivational uh, quotes. I get pumped about it thing like, yes, I can do it. But I would listen to these really, really corny American motivational soundtrack of like how you can go through stuff and so on. So I'd be feeding my mind with this kind of stuff about like, hey, going for greatness. Uh, I always love like these movies with like heroes and like the, mm. the the bigger the challenge, the better, right? So I think you got to feed your mind with the, the fuel. So you might still be sitting in the couch, but then start fueling your mind with more positivity, uh, more empowering messages, yeah. and then you can get there. The other part is if people don't want to change, they won't change. Right. Yeah, that's one of the... Uh, the things that many coaches also say, you can only try and push a person so much and you can provide them with the content, but sometimes people need to go really far down and hit the rock bottom Yeah, and then they're ready to change. And yeah. then it's accepting that you can try and push it. But if you are open and you're listening, some of the amazing content like this podcast with the two of you, where you're talking with people that are giving empowering information, right? Put that on on a daily basis. Like Tony Robbins called it the net time, no extra time. So like that time when you are cleaning up or you're moving uh, or you're going to work or something else, um, make that time to start fueling your mind. Yeah, I agree. Listening to this show every day is definitely the first step that anyone should take. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and then it's just circle of friends, right? That classic annoying, you are the average of the five pe- people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to be people that you hang out with, but it matters a lot. But that's also why you can find inspiration from other people. So if you don't manage to find five healthy people that are pushing you in the good way, then find those other inspirations. So I have written down like some of the important people in my life and some of them I've never met in my life. Right. But those are people that I get inspired by and that I go to for wisdom and, and yeah, keeping a healthy, uh, a healthy mindset. Yeah. I, I actually just had to answer a question of who inspires you. And I couldn't really give one answer because there's so many, but the general idea I gave was anyone who can get me out of my comfort zone and moving in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. So I I would love to hear, like, I know you said that the people who inspire you, some of them you haven't met. Could you give us some examples of some people who inspire you or, or drive you to be better? Sure. So some of the people that are easy to find, Tony Robbins definitely changed my life. I started reading stuff when I was 20 years old. I would credit him together with my parents as the main thing of 
why I'm such a positive individual, but probably him the most, to be mm. honest, because he's the one that made me look at my mindset and the power of words and all of those different things that kind of give a positive output. The Dalai Lama started reading his stuff when I was 16. And he had this book on happiness that gave this simple advice about worrying. If you can do something about it, do it. If you can't do anything about it, stop worrying because you can't do anything. And it sounds so simple, right? Mm -hmm. It's much harder in real life. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when I learned from Tony Robbins, he had an extra example being like, uh, if you can do something about it, do it or accept that you're not going to do it and then stop complaining, right? Yeah. So either you do something about it or not. Uh, Mark Hyman, when it comes to health, oh, yeah. I think he is super interesting and fascinating. There's so much stuff in health and it's hard to figure out what is actually backed in something that makes sense. I think he has a very balanced approach. So she is a big inspiration for me when it comes to that. Yeah. And then the people that you don't know, like some of my friends, like I have a friend called Thomas Sylvester, who's just been through hell. <laughs> like most people can complain about being through like hard health challenges. Like he's, he was in a wheelchair on and off for 10 years. The amount of pain he's been in and was told like not to be able to walk ever and like, and he's always positive. Wow. He is working on himself and so on. He's just a, it's a true inspiration of, uh, of being around and a source of wealth and knowledge when it comes to health. He became a pharmacist to learn about it. He thought the pharma industry would be able to save him from all the challenges. He figured out that that was not the solution. He has a lot of other stuff. He still is a big fan of the stuff you can do with pharma and stem cells and so on. So he can be walking more, but he's making that mix of both the pharmaceuticals, but also a lot of the natural stuff and how to take ownership of your health. Speaking of solutions and, and finding them, biohacking is something that comes up a lot uh, in, in this genre. I know it's something you're really into. Biohacking can get really crazy and it can be simple, get enough sleep and get enough exercise and eat the right foods. So let's talk about, you mentioned that your talks you do, you sprinkle in some of the spicy. So talk about some of the spicy, some of the things that really get heads to turn and wow, that's interesting. And then where is a really good place to start if you are starting out with your biohacking journey? So some of the really cool technology uh, is hyperbaric oxygen chambers. So hyperbaric oxygen chambers is old technology. If you were a diver and you came up too fast, you'd go into a chamber. And now we're just starting to figure out how it can do more and more positive things. There was a study in Israel where they took uh, 27 individuals over 30, 64 years old. And they put them into these chambers over, oh no, 60 days or 90 days. Mm -hmm. So they got these treatments and their senescent cells, which is something that's related to aging, they decreased. But more fascinating is something called telomeres. Telomeres is kind of a sign of aging. And we talk about them they're being shortened uh, throughout our life and it's not really possible to extend them. You might be able to do something with lifestyle interventions. You get one to 2%. These individuals got 20% increase in telomeres. Wow. So like wow. it's a small study, 27 people, but there's just so much research coming out on that. And I find that extremely encouraging and fascinating. That sounds incredible. 20% for just going into a hyperbaric chamber. That's, that's incredible. And there was no lifestyle interventions with these individuals. That's what makes it even more incredible. So imagine when we have this technology more available for more people yeah. and in the gyms and so on, and then you also do lifestyle interventions. That is freaking fantastic yeah, that you got some sure. technology out there. For sure. Now let's get a little more simple. What, what are yeah. some, some easier ways to, to biohack your way to better health? Sure. I'll mention one complex as well still. Yes. And then I'll quickly go to the same. Sure. And neurofeedback. Neurofeedback yeah. is where you put uh, electrons on your head. It's measuring your uh, brain waves. Mm -hmm. You get audio and visual feedback. And from that, your brain gets rewarded by seeing the audio coming. If it's giving you the right 
like other brainwaves that you want to. It is crazy what that can actually do. I've seen it with a guy that had Torada because I was doing a training education together with him. And the changes over a weekend where he had some of the training, how that kind of, a lot of it got away, even though he's been trying a million different things. Mm -hmm. I think that is going to be one of the things we will also see in the future of how to both get rid of challenges, but also how to optimize our brain. I've heard that that has tremendous benefits, particularly for battling depression. Yes. Depression, ADHD, PTSD. It's really fascinating. Some of the research that has come out of how it's really effective. Mm. There's also a lot of things that I'm worried about with it, like because you go, you can do something to the brain. If you can do something good to the brain, you can also do something bad. Sure. And most of the individuals that you talk about is just only talking about their good things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure that I want a mediocre brain. <laughs> right, I would right. like to know like who are the top performers in the world that might be a little bit strange. And I might rather want my brain to be trained towards them than to the mean. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things in it. Dave Asprey has his 40 years of Zen where he tries to get people into these, uh, I think it's theta stages and different things, but that is something that's going to be in the future. So I, I just have one quick question on neurofeedback. Is that something that is making its way into households? Is there like a kit that you can buy or is that something that you need to go work with a professional on? You still need to go work with a professional. You can get Muse. Muse is the hit band that's been very popular. I'm not sure where they are right now. They had a new version, but I know the earlier version, I talked to several experts on your feedback and they're basically saying that it was bullshit uh, because it was mostly measuring brain tensions or like uh, muscle tensions. Mm. So the thing about the technology is it's using something called dry sensors and dry sensors are not as good as picking up the signals in the brain. Mm -hmm. But I talked to one expert on it who was like, give this five years, maximum 10 then the dry sensors are going to be as good or good enough as the wet sensors. And that's going to be the revolution because suddenly you have these devices that are much easier in home training. So Muse is probably the best right now in checking like at the home front together with a company that came out of uh, Harvard, I think, or MIT. But I would love to talk to one of the founders and really get asking the critical questions about like, okay, where are you with your newest version? Is it honestly mostly muscle tension that you're measuring? Mm -hmm. Because I want to use it as soon as it's good enough, but I don't want to be wasting my time and money yep. on something that's still in development phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something that's super common, I think, in this genre too, is that there are so many products that, I mean, just on, on their face, you can tell it's garbage. Uh, yeah. But but then there are there's some that like, wow, that sounds intriguing. Like the idea of measuring your own brain waves in your home by putting on this headband, I mean, that sounds crazy. So how do you differentiate when you're researching these things? How do you know this is crap and hey, this is something that I need to spend some time on? Yeah, it's extremely difficult. Like I had the Muse, the second version of the Muse, and I feel like it was doing quite well. So one of the things is, do they have any research that's been published saying that this works? Mm -hmm. And then actually reading them. So I also read some papers on the Muse um, where they were testing things. I think it was in Boston and so on. And it was... It wasn't conclusive what whether it was working or not. And just yeah. quickly on news, I think it's going to be one of the things that will change the world. I'm just not sure where they are now. Right, right, right. But so are there any research backing it? Are there any experts that seems to be explaining to like why this works? Is there any logical conclusion for how the body works that this should be able to work? Mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing because we know double binding studies are super expensive. It takes time and so on to do the studies. So is there like a logical explanation? And with many things, you don't have a standing ground to guess that unless you've been trained as 
someone within the field. Yeah. So then it's like finding people and see if they explain how it works. And does that seem somewhat logical? Right. And there you can go wrong as well. So then let's go back to the simple biohacks. We've talked about some of the technology and some of the crazy things that are out there and coming down the road. But what are some things that we can start doing today to, to start optimizing our, our health? Yeah, fasting is so damn simple, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's cheap. It's free. <laughs> yeah. I love stuff that's free and this actually saves you time. So they must be one of the best biohacks ever. Right. You save time and you save money. So fasting, basically, I do the intermittent fasting. So uh, I used to be it, I do it very strict where I had an app and I've always been eating breakfast. So for me, I felt like I was getting dizzy and it was very weird. So I was like timing it at 16 hours. I was like, whoa. But basically you need to just, it takes takes some time to adjust the body. If you give it three weeks, you should be adjusted and then it's not that bad. Now I no longer time my fasting. Mm -hmm. I kind of do it where it seems natural. And for people that don't know what fasting is, if it hadn't been, you can do long periods of fasting where you don't eat or you can just do like 16 hours. And it turns out you get most of the advantages with 16 hours. Mm -hmm. So basically what people that used to skip breakfast is now just really cool called intermittent fasting. Right, right, right. And there's a lot of studies showing that it has amazing longevity effects. So I think that's definitely one of the the cheapest and time-saving things that you can implement. Yeah, and you mentioned Mark Hyman earlier. He's a big proponent of fasting, and and I've I used to do sixteen hours every day, and yeah. was, I was also finding some challenges, mostly just kind of keeping it consistent. So I've followed sort of what he re recommends in his new book about shoot for twelve hours every day and sixteen hours a couple times a week if you can make that work and that that has been really beneficial for me because I think a lot of times the the rules that we set up for ourselves become obstacles themselves like holding yourself to to standards that are too challenging I think that they can serve to be good goals but to not get lost in finding the goal and, and making sure you focus on the journey getting there. Does that make sense? You know what I mean by that? I fully agree. And also with fasting, you don't need to fast every single day. Right. Like as you're saying, fasting a few times uh, a week is super good to 16 hours and sometimes you do longer fast. And actually it's turning out now that for women, they probably shouldn't fast as much. Some of them, if they fast continuously, might get hormone problems. So yep. for them, they should aim for 12 to 14 hours a day. Yep. And then every third month, potentially take up to a five-day fast. Um, or they do a one-day fast or something else. And I think what you're saying is so spot on that we need to be careful that we don't become so fanatic. Yeah. Uh, so it's so it's very much about living a life in balance. And in the biohacking space, like honestly, a lot of people have sick mentalities. So people are doing all of these things that are not 80-20. They're doing the last 20% with this last supplement. Yeah, lion's mane. I drink lion's mane, so I'm not pointing fingers in that way, but it's right. like, like, I know that that's not what's going to make the biggest difference. It's like, the icing on the cake is right. like the spices. So it's about the simpler things and don't don't hit yourself so much in the head. It's okay if you're sick, you're really, really sick and nothing is helping the healthcare system. Then you might have to be a bit fanatic with many things until your health get up to a certain level. Fully respect for that. I've been through that as well myself. But the problem is when you have influencers and experts kind of preaching like everyone was super sick and they have to be super fanatic with everything. Where... If you're actually feeling quite well, your body can take so many different things, but you want to, again, focus on the fundamentals. And then the mental part is so extremely important for your body so that beating yourself up about not fasting seven days, well, sometimes also just knowing that blue light is, is bad might even be worse than the effect itself because you're so worried that you don't have your blue bloggers on or something else, right? So yeah. I think that's, if there's one thing people take away about biohacking from this, I really hope it's like, 
don't be too hard on yourself. And like the psychological stress that you put on yourself can be much worse than the negative effect of what you're doing. Yeah. So if you eat that chocolate, a Snickers, which is not a 95 or 85% dark chocolate, enjoy it and be happy and yeah. then leave it at that. Yeah. And add somebody I respect, I saw them post something about if you're being good 85% of the time, you're doing well and be okay with that. We need to be better to ourselves. Too many people are hitting themselves in the head. Hey, you're human. Like we're in, like we're not perfect. I think that's also another thing of like being happy and so on is like accepting like, hey, I'm not perfect. Like if I had negative emotions, I kind of like, I don't try to hide it away. Like I don't dwell in it, but then I kind of stop and like, hey, this is sticking to me and it's another proof that I'm human. And then I got to do something else, like focus on something that I can actually do, but allow yourself to be humans and that life can be difficult. That's another reason why people are unhappy. They think that everything has to be like on Instagram. Like it's, how do we get that idea? It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a lot of great stuff. And for more conversation like this, I, I imagine people should check out your podcast. Tell us more about that and where we can learn more about the show and, and yourself. Sure. So growthisland.com. So like growth and then an island.com. That's where I have to show. Basically, I try to find solutions from different experts on how to be the best version of yourself. So it's like health, it's athletes, psychology, the mindset. Um, and I try to keep it on the solutions and only a little bit on the problems. And they can find me as well on Instagram or on LinkedIn. My Instagram is messmfries. I'm sure it might be able to be in the show notes. Yes. Uh, perfect. Otherwise, yes. I'll try to spell it. But that's no, that's issues. okay. Yeah, links and, and all that will be uh, on the show notes for this episode uh, at thefitmess.com. Mass, thank, thank you so much for your time. This has been a really fun conversation and uh, we really appreciate you reaching out to being on the show today. Pleasure. Our thanks to Mass Freeze. He's the host of the Growth Island podcast. You can find links to him, his show, and all of his work on the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. And before we go, I just want to remind everyone that we have a Facebook group called the Fitness Community. It's a place where we're gathering to support each other, help each other with our self-care goals. This month, we're focusing on meditation and keeping each other accountable for it. And every month, we're going to have a new topic, guest speakers, exclusive content in there. So please go out, check out the Facebook group, join us. You can see our witty comments that we leave all over the place in there. We look forward to seeing you there. And with that, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing on whatever podcast player you're using and come back and join us again next Wednesday where we'll have a brand new episode at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.